The Outrageous Fun Podcast. <laughs> That's not it. Are you ready? The Outrageous Fun Podcast. <laughs> I was going to cross my arms and feel terrible on the inside. Wow, dude. That's electric. You're about to get battered. Bad. You're on. What's up, everybody? We're doing an interview today with my friend Chris Aola. Is that how I pronounce it? I say Iola. You could say Aola. I like, I like Iola. Iola. I like Iola. Because when I think of Aola, I think of aioli, and I and think I'm of hungry. mayonnaise, and I'm hungry. Yeah, I'm starving. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Iola, I know Chris because at Magnet Theater where I do improv, he shreds the drums on the improv improv band kit, uh, and then I stalked his life <laughs> on Instagram, <laughs> and then I realized that he produces. TV shows, and he produced a Netflix documentary. I was like, oh, this dude's way cooler than I thought. <laughs> so I was like, I invited him to come on the podcast, and here he is. Thanks for coming out. Wow. Thank you, welcome, guys. Welcome to our radio show. What an intro. Wow. Am I really that cool? I, I yeah, dude. We ha- I have yet to know. I have no idea. But you well, seem pretty cool. I guess we'll find out. On yeah. paper. <laughs> so we binged watched Pandemic. We did. Yeah. We only got through three. We got okay. through. Yeah, we got through the first three. We got through the first three. Thank you for watching. Fucking so yeah! Awesome. Ridiculous. Holy hell! We have so many questions. I, I feel like we have to questions. start in like a grounded place because it's going to get the content of this was oh. intense. So before yeah. we get there, let's yeah. start in other places. Okay. There were moments by the just real quick before we get to <laughs> that. There were moments when we were watching it. And I was just like, because usually when me and Dylan watch something together, we're like constantly like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. But there was moments I was just like. Yeah. Glued to the screen, yeah. I was just like, "What?" I'm looking. I'm like looking at Dylan. He's not even budging at it and looking yeah. at me. It was really. It was something else. So let's start with a little yeah. bit of background, okay? Yeah. So I also I stalked your website. You look your picture on your website. You're freaking adorable, <laughs> and it says that you have a stand up improv background. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. So you started doing. I'm not lying. That's true. <laughs> it's like special skills. And like I, didn't come, I didn't come here to lie. I didn't come here to lie. Yeah. When did you start doing that stuff? Uh, I started doing it a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, I, I play drums at the Magnet. I, I have taken some classes there. Yep. I took classes at UCB. Uh, I haven't done stand up in a while, but uh, I did do a little bit of that too. Nice. Uh, but first and foremost, uh, I've been playing drums longer than I've been doing anything else. So nice. I guess that's like that was my first artistic endeavor. Mm. Do you just yeah. love the performing aspect. Is, yeah. So then, is what got you from music to figuring out you wanted to try comedy and improv and stuff like that? Uh, I always wanted to do comedy, and then I realized you can actually take classes for that. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, well, that Something seems, I've learned as well. That yeah. seems like a good way to learn things, to take a <laughs> Get class. Get taught how to do it. Yeah, yeah. Don't just wing it. Take a class. I'm still struggling with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you can't take a class, wing it. Yeah. That's but a good philosophy. I will say this. I took a stand-up class, because I've taken a bunch of improv classes, and I'm at Magna now doing improv, and I did a stand-up class recently, because I was like, I want to get into stand-up, and I feel like a class would kickstart this, and I absolutely hated it. The really? guy was a dick. The really? teacher. He was a horrible person. You took an improv or stand-up class? I took improv class. Yeah. I've taken a few what of those. Was, was it the te- strictly the teacher, or was it the format of getting taught stand-up? Though? It was like you would go up. They wouldn't let you. I thought it was gonna. you were going to learn about like stage <laughs> presence and like... You know, using the microphone, you just like went up on stage and he was like, I want you to read exactly what you wrote. And then he just gave you notes and like half the time I was like, I don't know if I agree with that. And he's like, well, I think you should rewrite that. I was like, well, I paid a lot of money for this and this sucks. And now I'm just sitting here and you just listen to everyone else do. It's like improv is cool because it's like such a supportive comedic endeavor. 
and everyone's like laughing and having a good time. And the stand-up guy was just like, you all suck. And it was That's almost like he was there to like pad his ego. It was very weird and a waste I, I of $400. I had an improv teacher. Yeah, $400. It's <laughs> yeah. a cool 400 <laughs> I had an improv teacher who will remain nameless in this story, but uh, I Karen. took the class with him. Not Karen. Karen was great. <laughs> I took this improv class, and this guy was so abrasive. He was not supportive. He actually said while I was performing in class one day, he said, I would rather gouge my eyes out with a pencil than listen to the rest of your set. Holy shit. No joke. And <laughs> oh, my goodness. I was just like, why, why would you say that? Why would you say that to a human being? I, Ever. I, that doesn't make me feel good. Yeah. No. And it's not like you learned how to do it better by hearing that. You just yeah. felt bad. Yeah. You're not encouraging people. No. that's so. And again, a, a, a cool 400 A cool probably. $400. All of them cost 400 bucks. Yeah. But the good thing about improv is it's a group effort always. Yeah. Like with stand-up, it's all on you. So yeah. like the it's feedback is that much more. But the feedback's that much more important. Mm, you know? That's so true. So like the teacher should really understand that. And, like, and I, I, will, I will say I've had nothing but fantastic experiences at Magnettheater.com. Mm. So I have to agree also. All of my classes at Magnet, they are very like team, rah rah, everything's great. Yeah, and that's Magnet also is... like a great it's a great place to be, but it's also a great environment to learn. Mm-hmm. I love I've really learned how like positivity is really the key to all that. Um but when did you get into TV producing? That's what I did when I went to college. Nice. Uh, Where'd you go to school? I went to Boston University. Nice. Very nice. BU Terriers, baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I studied film and TV in college. Nice. I double majored in film and TV and history. One of my first jobs out of school was at the History Channel. Really? Uh, That's cool. Yeah. Doing That's what? good. Yeah. Uh, Next for you. So we did, a, we did a lot of different stuff. Interestingly enough, so History Channel is part of A&E, and I worked there around the time when The Sopranos was on A&E. They're in the middle of watching so, The Sopranos right now. I mean, it's the best show. <laughs> <laughs> so good, right? So I was part of the team that had to take all the profanity and all the nudity and all the curse, everything. We had to take all of that out of the Sopranos episodes for A&E. Wow. So that was one of my first jobs. Wow. Was that like yeah. way more tedious than anything? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you go home and the have ep- to shower immediately? <laughs> <laughs> the episodes were like 20 seconds long. Yeah. <laughs> like... You know, it's it, there was a lot to take out, but yeah, it's murdering it and cursing is the yeah. most of the show. Yeah, and and boobs and boobs. It's <laughs> yeah. a huge aspect of the show. Totally. <laughs> so uh, that was an interesting job, and then I've sort of just been in the industry for like over a decade now, mm-hmm. and I, I've just kind of um, gone from project to project, and they've all been different. Are you seeing a lot of? It seems like now you're getting a lot. I feel like in that space, you get a lot more freedom to pursue. Like, to pursue opportunities you never would have had 10, 15 years ago when, tech, like, Netflix, for example, yeah. and all these different streaming services that are producing their own films, just creating jobs. Yeah. Like, has that been a complete game changer? Uh, yeah, it has. I mean, Netflix is huge. They've really changed the way that content's made. Uh, but even now, like, you've got, have you guys heard of Quibi? Mm-mm. No. Quibi's this new network where it's it's short for quick bites, and, like, each episode is max 10 minutes. Oh, interesting. Uh, and it's meant to only be watched on your phone. So, like, there's all these it new things. like a Facebook watch wow. type of thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's a good way to think of it. Um, so there's all these new networks that are popping up, and it, it's just, it is really different from when I got into TV production. Yeah. Uh, when I graduated to, to now. It, 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 it's very different. Very cool. Do wow. you, like, work for, like, yourself, or you, like, con- like you worked for the that's History Channel? 
So like, did you work for the history? Like what kind of, do you work for like a production company that just like staffs you for things? Like, how does that work? Um, I'm technically freelance. Nice. Okay. Uh, so I have worked right for, directly for the networks. Mm-hmm. So I have worked for History Channel, for A&E. But most of the time now, I work for the production company that's making the content for the network. Gotcha. So I worked on this show, for example, called Alone, which is a wilderness survival show. Uh, it's on the History Channel. It's really cool. It's all self-shot footage. Um, I work ooh, for the company. Ooh, interesting. I work for the yeah. company that makes the show that sold it to History. And that's how most of the people. Oh, so in, you made the show before you even knew? What no, was no, 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 no. We, uh, the, you, you the, sold the pitch. They bought it. Okay, yeah, yeah they bought it. it, and then my company made it. And got so it. that's the same thing with the Netflix series. I worked for a company that made that for Netflix. Got it. Okay, very interesting. Wow. On your IMDb page, which I stalked, also mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so easy to stalk people in 2020. <laughs> Here's also a question: Do you make your own IMDb page, or does IMDb page make it for you? Uh, you make your own idea. Oh, oh, I was wrong. I thought yeah. they made it for you. Yeah, it's actually, it's a pain. They don't. Make, <laughs> they don't make it easy. I, I was gonna say, like that seems really tedious. You the, have to enter in everything you've done. He also took out all the curse words of <laughs> The Sopranos, so yeah, he's a yeah, pro at that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. No, you've got to enter it per show per episode, and it's very tedious. Oh, so. I put a lot of work horrible. into that thing. So thank you. It for looks good. It, it looks yeah. good, dude. I've curated it. It, it looks really good. It's it does very, look really good. Very well, nice. The only thing I don't have is a picture. Wait, I was just going to say, we need yeah, to get we that beautiful headshot. I, I think you need to pay for that, and I don't know how I feel about that. So. <laughs> Dude, this silly. is the moneymaker, though. Yeah. That's the moneymaker. It is. I know producing is behind the scenes, but mm-hmm. it's just like people want to know. Not when you got a mug like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what's the difference between story producing, associate producer, post-story? Like, what are all those kind of roles yeah, that you like, could take? Uh, great question. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'll try and give I you, came prepared. Well, I'll try you. and give you a decent answer. It's all <laughs> it's all kind of loosey goosey. Okay. Uh, an associate producer can mean many different things, just like producer can mean many different things. But when you see story or post producer, it's generally somebody who's working in post production. Okay. So that's generally what I've been doing recently mm-hmm. uh, and I really like that it's like the editing side of things all the post-production I'm working with an editor I'm doing sometimes uh, the editing myself mm-hmm. um, in conjunction with an editor so that's what post and story producing are sometimes a story can uh, story producer can be in the field they mm-hmm. can actually be out doing stuff in the field making the story happen interesting um, have you done seems- that uh, I haven't done much of that. No. Seems like with pandemic, you probably wouldn't have wanted to be in that field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was that a post-produced one? Uh, yeah, that was a post behind a lot of glass and you know, Masks. away from any disease whatsoever. No, but I mean, we did send a lot of crews out. Uh, I'm sure you saw, like, to, to India. Yeah, I was going to ask. I wanted to ask about travel, like, where this job is taking you. Because, I mean, in this particular uh, documentary, docu-series, it's, yeah. docu-series, it's like, all over the world. So mm-hmm. I was like, were you going places or was this? So I, I edited this show from the comfort of my edit bay. Which, nice. Which was, uh, you know, that made me feel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've had chances to travel. I used to work on House Hunters International. Mm-hmm. So I got to go to some cool places well, cool. doing that. Um, Where'd you go? I went to Costa Rica. Nice. Uh, yeah. And House Hunters is like... Would you go check out like sick mansions in Costa Rica? Uh, there were some really nice places actually. Yeah, yeah. I w- I would have lived there. Costa Rica is great. Costa Rica yeah. is gorgeous. Yeah. The Caribbean's a nice place to go. Is Costa Rica in the Caribbean? 
I hope so. Now that I've said that, <laughs> it's not. But maybe damn we, it, it's in South America. No? Maybe we can edit that part out. We don't edit South- anything. No, That's we don't edit. We let Dylan fall on his face. Fly or fight or flight. This bitch. Listen, sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes you're right. Yeah. You can't. I'm sorry, get over I, sh- that. I should have yes ended there. <laughs> yeah, sorry, it's totally in the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, fuck. I had a really good question about pandemic, and I lost it. Well, I. What was some of your favorite projects you've worked on? Definitely pandemic. That was one of the top favorite. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, that's number one right now. Uh, I also worked on an Alzheimer's documentary. Interesting. Uh, for HBO, which was cool. What's that called? When was that though? Um, it's called the, it's called the Alzheimer's project. Uh, it came out about 10 years ago. It was on HBO and it was a really awesome experience. It was just exploring like the science behind, uh, trying to find a cure. Are these projects specifically like pandemic and the Alzheimer's project? Like, are these projects that you feel like you're passionate about? Therefore, you're trying to get on that job, I'll or you kind of—is it more blind than that? So, a lot of the time, I'm just kind of uh, applying for jobs and reaching out and letting people know that I'm available to work. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, um, I get a job and I like it. And then every once in a while, I get a job. Uh, or I'm offered a job, or I hear about a job, and I'm super excited about mm-hmm. it, right? That's what Pandemic was. That's yeah. what the Alzheimer's Project was. The opportunity to work on a project where uh, it could have a huge impact, mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing that I really love working on. Yeah, yeah. for sure. As and, I was watching this, the Pandemic one, I was like, this people is need like, to see this. Yeah, this is like good shit. And I feel like back to the travel and that aspect of the show of the series, I feel like that's was the biggest thing for me that I was taking from it was there's people working around the clock all over the world trying to keep things from becoming out of hand. Totally, and that like you don't think about that. You don't ever. think about that at all. You just figure, oh yeah, the flu comes around every year. We'll get a shot. Like you don't think about all the shit that goes behind. There's these there's huge teams of people who are doing what is really behind the scenes work. It's the kind of work where if nothing happens, you never hear about yeah. what's going on. Uh, and so a lot of people kind of fly under the radar for this very important work that they're doing. For sure. So to be able to tell those stories was really important. Yeah. A, a few of those people that you followed, too, specifically. Um, yeah, we should intro the, I want... the the documentary more. So the documentary that's on Netflix is yeah. called Pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. There's just. Pandemic. Pandemic, yeah. yep. Uh, it's Pandemic, colon, how to prevent an outbreak. But let's yes. just, let's say pandemic. Pandemic. Pandemic's yeah. hits. Mm-hmm. No. it's quick and it yeah, yeah. the it intros really... are always fire yeah. like the first like the cold open of it I'm just like oh shit dude <laughs> this is it yes, yes. <laughs> we gotta get hand sanitizer now <laughs> I'm like rubbing myself <laughs> yeah. that, that, that was one of the things I wrote down I was like every time I something happened I like twitched and I was like I should wash my hands <laughs> like, I was like shit did I touch my face did I yeah. not touch my face I remember one of the things was happening I'm like picking my nose and I'm like <laughs> Put my hand in my pocket. I was like, you need to lock it up, man. Holster that, man. <laughs> yeah. So it's a documentary about flu outbreaks and like uh, epidemics. A viral outbreaks. A viral right? outbreaks, yeah. epidemics, and like what can happen. And you go into swine flu and bird flu Ebola. and all these. Ebola. And describe all these different types of viruses and things that can happen in the world. Now my question for you, my friend, is did you guys know that corona was about to freaking happen or what? Yeah, what is the timing the, here? Because it's cause, freaking fishy. Yeah, because obviously you dropped it. In like kind of the midst of been. flu season, so you knew that the flu would be a topic of conversation. Yeah. But did you know that it's like, so this, like the week after you released this thing, no. the, the epidemic was here and coming and <laughs> yeah. people were just going to yeah. be freaking out anyway? <laughs> like, it just seems like the perfect storm. The, 
The truth is, is that we <laughs> had no idea. The coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> we had we had no idea. So uh, the company I work for, we uh, Netflix told us when they were going to release it, right? And they gave us the date. It was January, I think, twenty second. It was mm-hmm. the end of January, and we had known about it for a few months beforehand. And to us, that made sense. It's the height of flu season. Yep. It's a documentary about people will pay flu. attention. Yeah. Totally, totally. So it made sense. And then. Early January is when this coronavirus started making news. You guys were and like, we're oh, like, oh, shit. Huh. People started talking about it on Twitter. The conspiracy theorists were yep. like starting to you know, go into their crazy place with their tinfoil hats. <laughs> all this weird stuff started happening. And, I, and we were all just kind of sitting back, I, I think, and, and just kind of laughing at the whole thing. Because it's like it, pe- people were going to weird places and like making links between things and no, we released the flu documentary at the height of flu season. But, which I that that's what I figured. <laughs> but then again, there will be a conspiracy written about that. Sure. Documentary. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I keep like, saying I'm drafting mine right now. <laughs> yeah. I keep saying it's like the ultimate viral marketing. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally, literally, viral literally. figuratively. Oh wow. Yeah. 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 That's like a good that. play on words. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So <clears throat> the when did you start? When did like the shooting of this start? The shooting started, I believe, in late late 2018 into early 2019. I started in the winter of 2019. Start You started in the winter of 2019. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that impresses me of how like quick it kind of got put together. Because it's just like, I don't even know how you like find all these people. And it's like all these people from around the world. It's not like you're just following like one person in a hospital. It's like, we're in New York City. We're in the middle of the country. We're in Oklahoma. We're in India. We're in China. Like how, who was in charge of kind of orchestrating the whole storyline, I guess the mm-hmm. question would be like, who wrote it? It's not like a documentary is not written. But it is. But it, it is yeah. written. Oh, like how sure. did the, who was like the creator of the kind of idea? Right. So it, it, it's not writing, but it is storytelling. Yeah, right? exactly. Every documentary is telling a story about something. Mm-hmm. So um, the person, the, the team that pitched the story uh, and sold it was a group of doctors and people who uh, our medical journalists, I believe. It was a team of people uh, of which I was not a part of that team. I came on later. Um, but they were able to pitch this idea uh, to Netflix. And then uh, the company that went on to make it, which is 0.0, the company I worked for, uh, you know, they have a whole team of, of casting producers and um, development people whose job it is is to follow leads, look into people, and see who would be a good fit to be mm. cast on the show. It's like a casting like, yeah, like anything a casting, else. Yeah, right? like a casting yeah, call. But exactly. like, I guess you have to, people aren't coming to you. You've got to, you, you've, for a project like this, you've got to look look and see who the top people are, mm-hmm. and that's who you try and get first. Yeah. And then there's other people. But then Every... you try to kind of diversify. Like, for example, uh, what was it, which one, who was the woman in the small town? Dr. Uh, Holly. Dr. Holly. Like, you have the, the, the main, like the woman on Long Island, who, who the Doctor Madad. So you Sarah. have her and the other guy who were kind of ser- serious experts, but then you have this s- different storyline where she's like a touch it all doctor, where she's doing everything for this small town. Where it's like she's not the. I expert thought that was so it, smart. Like one of the really, cuts, it yeah. was like this. First of all, the first everyone to go back to I have so many things to say. <laughs> to go back to the top of the field thing, where like you go find the person at the top of the field. 
anytime like a doctor was introduced, like a new doctor, I was like, this person's a fucking badass. Yeah. And then it was like a new doctor. I was like, that person's a badass. And it was like another, the guy who's trying He's to find the viral. He's marching Guatemala. I'm like, yeah. this guy's Everyone sick. was just like such an impressive human being. Yeah. That like that is almost what makes the story so good is just like you're looking at this shit and you're like, this person knows what the hell they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And they are absolutely at the top of their field. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was crazy. But one of the crazy things I saw was that like one of the first shots <clears throat> was the um, like the practice if something a, was going to drill a drill yeah. Yeah. a oh, drill yeah. if and we're watching and we're like dude are they about to die right yeah, now yeah we, we, i was like oh shit like and it's such like an intense opening and i thought that was such a crazy place to bring it then you meet dr madad who's like this badass new york such city a, doctor yeah. who is just you get her backstory and mm. she's just like been everywhere and then you cut to like new york city we're from new york so it's like i'm like oh we're in new york whatever it feels normal to me then you cut to like this small town and you cover this other doctor and it was like what a crazy change of pace that was i it thought it was so super smart relatable yeah in a lot of ways doctor do you get to meet any of these people yeah i met quite a few of them who who was i i do know dr madad um i got to interview her we've been texting she seems oh, like the, yeah she seems tell her, like tell her we said impressive you're person. a badass yeah <laughs> she above everybody else i'm like that girl is all business yeah she does not mess around she does not mess around yeah she's, she's total pro yeah total pro yeah i uh jake and sarah i got to go out and shoot with them in really in san francisco the, that's the that's the guy who's trying to find the universal the one universal yeah so they they have the whole operation down in guatemala yep, uh, yep. but i worked with them in san francisco i actually interviewed him on friday night really uh, yeah and uh i'm probably gonna put publish that later tonight what's it like this is kind of off but similar what's it like interviewing people in that field who are just so they're i mean you're an intelligent we're sort of intelligent <laughs> they're super <laughs> intelligent mm-hmm What's it like interviewing somebody that's just they, like they're they have a mission like and a goal and they're that's like ninety nine percent of their focus and they're so you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, one thing I will say is that talking to people like that whose job it is to handle stuff like this, it is reassuring in a way. Mm -hmm. They could be talking to you about the scariest statistics, the craziest stories they've encountered, all this stuff that could be terrifying, but for the most part everything is reassuring in a way because mm. you know that there's that they're out there doing something about it mm -hmm. and there's also other people out there just like them doing their own thing too for sure yeah if you found out i was behind the flu outbreak <laughs> we'd have some issues we'd have cut to long island <laughs> joe cormio what's up everybody there's a you great party be very reassured there's, there's a great party happening it's a pandemic <laughs> party it's lit wear your masks bring your <laughs> best mask wins best mask wins decorate your own mask to be sick the <laughs> um the guy who's looking for the the viral like when you were in san francisco what were your roles with that were you like with the, were you shooting do you do any like camera work or do you more like uh not on that project but yeah i, I do shoot sometimes okay yeah uh, i mostly interviewed uh the people I worked with. So I interviewed Jake and Sarah. I interviewed uh, Dr. Madad. I interviewed Dennis Carroll, who's kind of like the wizard character. He's yep, in we know who scene. that dude is. He's yep. got the long hair. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. Oh, we that love guy. that guy. Yeah, we love that guy. It's like he's he got a very on. specific look, and we and love it. And he's so, he just is like, 
spews out wisdom yeah. with his look. It's, 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 always, a, it's always a really yeah, yeah. cool shot of him slowly walking through like a third world country <laughs> town, and it's just him, and he's just walking through, and you're like, he's up to something, yeah. man. I don't know. Yep, I love so, that guy. In those interviews, is it when we see on the documentary like someone talking at us? Are you the person like behind next to the camera, like feeding them the questions? Many times I am. Interesting. Yeah, yeah that's I'm cool. Just off to the side, and you're the person like giving them the questions. Yeah. How R- much writing the questions and asking the questions? That's that's, that's awesome. interesting. Yeah. How, do you how do you come up with the questions? Uh, well, we, uh, we know what we want to cover when we, when we set out to do a story like this, to do Mm -hmm. a project like this, but then as the edit goes on and the story develops, uh, like for that story, we were tracking the progress of their experiment to try and find (coughs) this universal flu vaccine, right? So as, uh, as we continued to film with them, new things came up. And so we're writing questions to kind of track what's going on. Mm -hmm. How long were you in San Fran for? Uh, I was the last shoot. I was there for uh, it was a two day shoot. Oh, that was it. Yeah, just for the end. It was like the reveal. So mm-hmm. uh, even if you're, because <clears throat> I know you were in the uh, credits, you're listed as a post production guy on this one, mm-hmm. but you're still involved, like in the beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, you're not just like, you know, kind of have your say, and then you're editing at the end. You're really involved in everything. Yeah, step I of the came way. on during production, and then I was the last man standing. Really, that I was. The other story producers had wrapped, mm-hmm. and I was the last person on the project. Very cool. And I, I do want to say, um, the, documentaries like this only happen with a huge team of talented people. So mm-hmm. I am just one cog in this whole machine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of credit goes out to the entire team. Uh, yeah, shout out to this the team. whole thing. Yeah. It was sick. It was really, it was really well done. We're not else. done with it yet. But no, we're not even close. <laughs> we have so much more. oh oh with physically with it but i'm not even done asking questions <laughs> i do have um w- so we w- the episode that we watched this morning was uh i i liked again it comes back to bringing different people into the show that like to kind of show how everybody sort of has their role in an outbreak like that and it was very cool when they started talking to the anti-vaxxer family. Mm. That and I didn't know that that was coming. I didn't even like. You, yeah, I didn't that know. was an angle I didn't. We were see like coming. listening to the woman speaking, and we were like, "Oh, this is such a sweet family." Like it j- just seemed like they were showing a family that somebody gotten sick in. And then when they showed like their very strong position as an anti-vaxxer, I was like, "Ooh, this is about to get really interesting." And that whole storyline was super interesting. Like seeing that and seeing the protests and stuff like that. I just want to know what your what your thoughts were working with that. That had to be super interesting. It was. Uh, that was a story that we had to approach very delicately mm. because it's hard to... Uh, you have to be honest when you approach people about what you're filming, right? Mm. It's just an ethical thing. Yeah. So you have to approach a person who, right from the get-go, is opposed to the science. Mm-hmm. Yeah. telling a story about science. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it was really hard to find somebody who was willing to be on camera knowing that we were going to be talking about this stuff. So uh, that, that totally makes sense. That wasn't a storyline that I that I produced, but I will say that we really tried to do it in a way so that we were able to explain where people who are anti-vax and who do have vaccine hesitancy, which is a separate thing, mm-hmm. uh, where they're coming from because it's really easy to just write people off. Mm-hmm. For right? sure, 100%. When it, when they come to you with a crazy idea. It's easy to write people off, but they're still people. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to make sure we told that story in a way that didn't write them off, mm-hmm. 
but also explained why they are totally wrong. Yeah, I think, <laughs> and, and why I know that's I, I, that's hilarious. But that's you did. You guys did a very good job doing that. And that was gonna be the next thing I said. Was, I don't think you put them in a bad light at all, but you made it very obvious where you know where all the science is pointing, and then where they stand versus that science. And it was right. very cool to just be able to see both. In yeah. one production. It was absolutely. You're not just watching an anti-vaxxer an term. thing or an anti anti Their storyline was absolutely played to the top of everyone's intelligence. For sure. Was, absolutely. Was, and the cool thing is that, you know, the, the, the foil to that character, to that anti-vaxxer, was a state senator or a state legislator yep. who is a doctor. A pediatrician. Yeah. yeah. So. That, that was, was so. That once was, this came out, I was like, I know where this is going. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah. But you've been. You've been involved in a, like a very diverse. It seems like a very diverse. You have a very diverse TV background, like from Ninety Day Fiance, mm-hmm. which is, couldn't be further away from pandemic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually, it depends how you look at it. But <laughs> it's opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, and like just there's this ton of ton of projects that you've done that are completely different. Like, yeah. what's it like working on stuff like that where it's more of a TV program mm-hmm. as opposed to this long story that you're telling over the course of a season that should have an n- enormous effect on the human population and make an enormous difference <laughs> yeah. Yeah. good question stakes are uh, different it seems yeah. yeah yeah different stakes i mean the truth is, is that a show like that like 90 day fiance a lot of people watch that show yeah right it's it seems like in the last couple of years it's been insane it's like an institution and yeah. there's spinoffs now there's yeah. like before the 90 days there's 90 day the other way um, so even though the subject matter is different, it's nice to work on a show that I know a lot of people know. Mm-hmm. Like Interesting. If, I, if, I, if I'm out and people ask, oh, what do you work on? I can drop 90 Day Fiance. Yeah. People will know. And then I can gauge on. Put that right on your then Hinge you profile. Pandemic and then be like, cool, dude, you gave me a panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I wash my hands four times a day. <laughs> That's part. That's part of the interesting thing about my job, though, is that there is such a variety of of things to work on. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it challenging. keeps me on keeps me on my toes. But it also ke- lets you explore everything you could be interested in. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you can be passionate so, about yeah, so many different so things. Sick. Yeah, as opposed to like just being passionate about filmmaking. It, being passionate about filmmaking, you could then film what you're passionate about. Yeah, you know, which totally. is awesome. Totally. Very cool. Do you think that, like, even the Alzheimer's ones, like that's those seem these things, Alzheimer's and the pandemic seem like things that like could tug on the heartstrings a little bit more. So like future wise, are you like gearing in that direction of like, all right, I really want to try and work on projects that cover things like this. Yeah, that's what's the route on I the, want to go. What's on the horizon? Uh, I haven't found that project yet. Okay, mm-hmm. um, I either have to find it or I have to make it. Ooh, so, yeah, to do it myself. What would that? What does that look like? You got any cool ideas? Uh, yeah, I, I do. I don't want to say anything though. I was just gonna. Say, I was just gonna say. I'm just gonna write it down. Gosh. I'm not gonna do anything though. I'll keep it close, <laughs> close to the vest. Do but, it, yeah. But yeah, that's the definitely the route I I want to go down. More like serious documentary style stuff. That's awesome. Versus when like you, the reality. And I'm not gonna ask you what your ideas are, but when you do have an idea that you want to then produce, like start up yourself, where do you even start? Because like you're you have experience in the production but there's tons of other pieces right that you have to fill mm-hmm. where do you, the hell do you start do you start with the storyline or do you does that come along the way or where do you yeah go? You, you you sort of uh you've got to come up with the idea you've got to create a treatment for it um you could even film something like a little sizzle reel so you've got an example of what you think the show might be mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then you go to you go to uh, a network or you go to a production company and you pitch it. And you say, hey, this is the show I want to make. Are you guys interested in helping me make it? That's got to be the most intense interaction <laughs> of all time. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I sell insurance for a career. And when I'm selling somebody insurance, I sweat. I cannot imagine trying to pitch a television show to a network or a or document or movie idea to an I would be a wreck. Yeah. That's got to be so intense. I haven't had that experience myself yet, mm-hmm. um, but I can only imagine. Yeah. Because you're basically putting it all out there. Yeah. And you've got to be prepared to, and you're to be pa- rejected. Especially when you're yeah, passionate but it's, about the it. The passion, though, is like what makes it, though. Because you are But then if you so... get shot down, that makes it even worse. I guess Because so. you're so passionate about it. He's not going to get shot down. This is our boy. No, right this here. is our boy. We build him I'll up. I'll tell you what. If you're uh, looking for a new project, I run a insurance vlog <laughs> with me and my brother produce. Do you? And it seems like something that could be right up your alley. It's it, you it's, know I'm you know insurance. Do you, insurance. Guys sell, do you guys sell life insurance? Uh, we don't. We sell okay. commercial insurance. Okay. We do sell. We have a guy that sells. We don't need to get into this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, we don't sell uh, life insurance. But I'm just messing. Do you with have you. a catchy name for the show? Uh, it used to be called Full Coverage. But we we're still we're we're in a transition phase. Yes, you are I in a transition say. phase. Yeah, so we're figuring that out. I like full coverage. Full coverage is nice, right? Yeah. It just like didn't fit for some reason. Well, the or, problem is, is that here's a here's a a, a question for you as a TV producer. Mm. Insurance <laughs> is super boring. Yes. So Joe started covering like just insurance topics. And Joe's like a charismatic guy, so it was like, yeah, I was like, Joe, if you were just talking about insurance, like your passion will just leak through, and it was just like, you'll get sucked into a little bit. And then his idea was to start covering things, start covering the people that he insures. And I was like, that's like a better route to go down, where he like goes to a restaurant and he insures the restaurant, and it's like, we insure a restaurant, we're gonna learn how to like cook a meal from the restaurant today. Yeah. And I think that is, I always, I always push him to go in that direction. Yeah, that's the direction we're going back in. That's. And that's kind of what we're doing, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I was just messing with you. <laughs> I'm interested in that show. Yeah. Well, I am. Because you, cause you like me so much immediately. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That has to be That's it. it. I knew it. What, I knew it. The, um, the pandemic, you're, I, like I, I listened to um, The Daily, yeah. the one that you posted. Yeah. Um, because, like I said, one, I've been stalking you a lot. And two, like, I want to get educated on this stuff. So, like, hitting now kind of, like, more of, like, coronavirus, do you, are these, is this, is coronavirus, like, sounding the alarms for the people like Dr. Holly, Dr. Madad? Like, is this sounding the alarms? Are people just like, what a weird coincidence? Or it's like, holy shit, it's actually happening. Okay, so full disclosure, just so everybody's clear, I am not a scientist. <laughs> I am not a doctor. Really good disclaimer to talk good about. Disclaimer, good disclaimer, good disclaimer. I am a person who has been privileged to work on a project where I can tell this kind of a story. There you right? go. And I feel like, so part of my job is to absorb all the, all the material, all the information, all the footage, everything we have, absorb it all, and tell a story. Mm. So I feel like I have, a lot of, I have a lot of knowledge on this subject exactly. without... The professional qualifications exactly. of a doctor, which or is scientist. the best way to have the knowledge. Yeah, totally. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, cannot be used for nefarious purposes whatsoever. Um, so, uh, I will say that there is a general, uh, in general, there is a big concern mm. about what is happening right now. Yeah, because it's not officially a pandemic yet. But it will likely become one. It most certainly will be become one in the very near future. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to become a pandemic soon. 
uh, there are people who are already infected and don't even realize it yet. Mm. And um, certainly people like Dr. Madad, uh, Jake Glanville. Um, I haven't spoken to Dr. Holly, but um, I'm sure she's concerned about this too. Because small towns like that that yeah. don't have the resources mm-hmm. they don't have it. are the worst off when yeah, it comes to a situation. Yeah, they're working at 100% capacity right. in a small town. It's crazy. So uh, there, I would say, in general, there is a huge concern yeah. right now. It's interesting to hear that a lot for a lot of reasons, but mostly because it's so – like in the very beginning of the coronavirus, there's always the people who are like, yeah, this sounds – like a nightmare and then there's the people who are like it's probably nothing it's probably mm. nothing it's probably getting blown out of proportion but then then watching pandemic and um and seeing that the potential that they're talking about with the next flu problem where hundreds of millions of people could could have been could possibly be affected by it it's wild to see if oh is this that or is this yeah gonna be, like i don't know like you don't know like it doesn't i don't know how what i feel yet based on w- what i'm seeing in like the news and stuff like that mm-hmm. So that's very interesting now that I've watched something that yeah. covers it. So think of it this way. Think of it more like a really bad flu season. Mm-hmm. Okay, That so lasts a long time or that, that just is intense while it's happening? Well, the thing is, the interesting thing is that a lot of epidemiologists are saying that this may not actually ever go away because of the, the way that this disease spreads and also sticks around. It, mm-hmm. it stays with people for a very long time. So the people who have been cured, there's a percentage of them who continue to be able to spread it to other people even after they're healthy again. Like so, a mono type of thing, similar to. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm, you're yeah, not sure. a doctor, but like, sort of like it just stays with you. Yeah, it just stays with you, and you go out and get people infected, and, and have no idea that you're even doing it, uh, because you are physically fine. You're not mm. symptomatic anymore. That's scary as hell. Here's a here's an interesting question. Um, with all of this, it's like very scary to talk about, and I feel like. With this, like, coronavirus, it was, like, it was Ebola, and it was now with, like, the media and technology age. Not that I believe this, but it's, like, it's almost like a – it could be perceived as, like, a boy who cried wolf situation because, like, alarmist culture, it was, like, we hit it so hard, it's hit – and then it became nothing. And then we hit this swine flu so hard, and then it, like, didn't affect, like, a ton of people. So, like, how do you battle – like really hammering this home to people, like really getting the message across that this could be without like totally scaring the shit out of them or is the goal to like scare the shit out of them? Like, I don't, I don't know if that was like I, a fully formed do question. I, do you mind if I jump into that question? No, I no. Feel like, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> no, I feel like what you're, part of what you're trying, the answer you're trying to get, I think they actually covered in pandemic a little bit where it was like the swine flu ended up not killing as many people as they thought, but that was because of a lot of the work they did. And it was yeah. sheer luck. They said like, I think it was swine flu. That was like sheer luck that less people died than they than should have died right. from it. So the comparison we made at that part of mm-hmm. the documentary is that uh, the Ebola virus that happened, the, the Ebola virus outbreak that happened in 2014, 2015, mm-hmm. killed about 50,000 people. Um, I'm sorry. It infected about 50,000 people. Mm-hmm. Okay? So that's across the whole world, 50,000 people got infected. When you compare that to the swine flu in 2009, two billion people were infected. Worldwide, right? Billion with a B. Yeah. And that's because- I remember my sister got put in quarantine in college. (sighs) Yeah. I don't know if she had it, but I know she was in quarantine. And and so the thing is, is that the swine flu uh, that year was not as deadly as the seasonal flu. So fewer people actually died from 
swine flu compared to the regular flu. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if it's a boy who cried wolf scenario, yeah. but that's a situation where you had like a quarter of the world's population infected with something. Well, I think that the the big to the telling part of that is the the properties of the flu virus in that all it takes is for you to breathe in the presence of somebody and you can get it. It's that contagious. Yeah. Whereas the Ebola virus, it's like physical contact is necessary. Yes. So it's it's typically and stays in a geographic area until somebody brings it elsewhere. Yeah. So I think that the point that there were there, people try like need to get across from that's this is what I got from it was that like you may think it's a boy who cried wolf scenario where it's like people are freaking out, but the only reason it ends up looking like that is because of like these people that are working like crazy to stop the shit from spreading, mm-hmm. and then yeah. it works. But then you think, oh, it was nothing, but no, it was something. Well, yeah, they that's what they really said on the daily. It. That's what yeah. they said on the daily. The guy on the daily was saying like that if it was gonna you know really affect the states like during now it would you it would be like it's kind of now where it's like some news stories like things are popping up people are getting affected in the united states and then in the summertime it would kind of decrease a little bit because viruses don't do well in the heat and then if by the fall we don't have the vaccine like that's when it's going to shoot back up that's terrifying and that's what happened in 1918 1918 yeah the 1919 yeah it came in it came in waves so the first wave hit and it was bad and then it went away when the weather warmed up a little bit. It didn't completely go away. It came back, and the second wave was actually the deadliest wave. It killed way more people, and then it went away again, and then it came back in a third wave. And the second wave killed the most people, but it kept coming back. And that's what people should be thinking about with this coronavirus, too. It's it's not just it's not going to go away. Mm-hmm. It's most likely going to come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, I for the let the record show for myself that I don't <laughs> think this is a, a boy who cried wolf situation. Yeah, I yeah. do like know the severity of the situation, but I know that like American culture, like I'll talk to one of my dumbass friends and they'll just be like, <laughs> "No, like that's just bullshit." We've met somebody, and then I was yesterday. talking to my it mom. Was... I was talking to my mother and her my one oh, of my God. family friends. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. that's just a, that's just where we shouldn't oh, be. Oh, talking. We going? should just <laughs> cut. Well, I was talking to my mom and her one of her best friends is a doctor. Uh-huh. And the doctor and she's like very chill. And she told my parents <laughs> chill. <laughs> like, what you, but she's no, yeah, but she's not like a I know just say it. And she told my parents that my parents should stock up on food for 2 weeks. And then my mom told my dad and then my dad was like, "Oh, I was talking to Kaylee, who's my sister, and my sister's a PhD, like genius, genius botanist, and her boyfriend's a, her fiance's a neuroscientist, and they were like, Super yeah, smart, stock up on food for two weeks. Yeah. We've done that. I was in a CVS earlier today, and I uh, went down the hand sanitizer aisle. Not a bottle. Wow, they were all gone. And it's like nobody cares about washing their hands until a pandemic. Yeah, threatens them. <laughs> yeah, right. for sure. Well, if they did, it would stop. It wouldn't spread as so freaking that, quickly. So, so that's part of the problem with the pandemic in addition to people getting sick and dying, is that there's a panic element to yeah. it, right? And so people- We learned that. That was one of the four things. It's one of the four <laughs> things. Yeah. Exactly. So the- uh... <laughs> Dylan's in, on cloud nine right now that he got to say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I learned you... something. Yeah. <laughs> Great job. <laughs> Takeaway. Um, so there's a panic element to all this, right? So yeah. you, you tell people that- I, I, What I keep saying is think of it like there's a bad snowstorm. Just get a couple extra things when you go to the supermarket. Mm-hmm. And then that, of course, turns into people raiding the supermarket. Yeah. Um, there's a video I saw of this old man walking out of a, a grocery store in Italy, and he's just like beside himself because they were all out of pasta. <laughs> Mamma mia, we're all out of pasta. Listen, first of all, 
I get it. Yeah. I that would make me sad hey, too. Iola, you're Italian. I am. You're an Italian boy. You get it. I've got a to-go bag for my parents in the car. You Hell should. Yeah. Listen, we got some food downstairs. I've got cooking cutlets. Up right now. I got pasta Ooh, fazool. I got all this go. stuff. Had a boy, Chris. Yeah. You came to the right place, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but that the panic element is real, and so um, you know, I, people should not be hoarding food by any means. It's yeah. just like when you go grocery shopping, just pick up a couple extra things mm-hmm. that. Won't go bad. And be, Can of soup. Yeah, be prepared. Be do you prepared. think? Do you think a? This is speculation, so feel free to not answer if you want to. But do you think that like a city shutdown of like New York is possible? Ooh, uh, hot question. It's hot. Like, is it feasible? Well, his to take do that? could be hot. Well, isn't in like in China right now? Like, people are told to like stay in their home. I believe that's the current state, right? Yeah, for uh, certainly for Wuhan, the 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 ground zero for mm-hmm. everything. They've, people have been on lockdown for a long time. I don't know that you could do that to that degree in New York, yeah. just because you know China's a communist government mm-hmm. and they have the ability to really lay down enforce. the law okay. and enforce the law in a way that uh, democratic countries can't. So I don't know that you could actually physically shut down a city like New York, but you could certainly issue. Um, you know, a curfew. You mm-hmm. could you could do things to encourage people to work from home if they're able to. Um, I cannot do that. Let me ask you something. <laughs> you I'm can't fucked. do that. You literally can't do that. I'm a home care You're... physical therapist. I'm on the subways literally all day long going into sick and people's then, homes. And he's traveling only to people who are ill. <laughs> yeah. Only. But with one of the things that stuck out at me watching Pandemic was when they said that China is responsible for, I believe they said, almost every single lethal flu strain that's ever been i think that was something along the lines of what they said you can correct me if that's not correct but is and a lot of it is most of this stuff is carried by animals and livestock and stuff like that is there was there a goal behind this documentary to kind of wake people up as far as like controls food safety type policies stuff like that like it seems like all of it's preventable if we can just lock it the fuck up, like, but it's you know, so it's yeah. there's yeah, it's just yeah. like like the, for example, the new thing we had we discussed it a, a couple episodes ago with like eating bat meat and eating animals Does that, that shouldn't that be consumed. Thing? Is that real? It seems like it could be a propaganda type thing, but it that seems, seems like one of those theories it from seems Twitter. Like it could be it could be a th- Twitter theory, but it doesn't seem far fetched. Like it seems like valid reasoning. Like I'm sure I'm sure there's some parts of the world where they eat meat that you and I would not even think about Mm -hmm. um even for the blink of an eye Mm -hmm. right uh bat meat or whatever i'm sure there's places where that kind of food is consumed right the thing is is that that's um not really uh, what the issue is the biggest issue is that uh to prevent a flu outbreak from getting to humans you have to stop it from getting to animals first right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. so you've got to go to the source, the source is animals, and for the flu, it's specifically birds. Mm-hmm. Every flu virus originates uh, in a wild bird, for the most part. And so there's two things you can do to protect animal populations, uh, livestock populations, and that is you can either vaccinate or you can employ what's called biosecurity. So if you've got a big flock of chickens, uh, you can vaccinate them all with a shot, to prevent them from getting sick, or you can institute biosecurity, which means making sure that they're enclosed, uh, that they don't have contact with wild birds. If you're a farmer who lets your your chickens out and a, a flock of wild geese lands there, um, they poop, then the chickens get into the poop, and then they contract diseases that the wild birds have. That's really mm. not good for 
spreading and mutating diseases, okay? So you can either vaccinate or institute biosecurity. Biosecurity and biosecurity sort of goes against the idea that animals should have free range. I was just going to say that kind of it's interesting to hear that means that free range meat and chicken almost has a higher risk of messing you up. In a way, I mean from a from a biosafety perspective, mm-hmm. having free range animals opens them up to the possibility of contracting diseases from wild animals that they mingle with. Mm. And so they are at odds with each other, either having good biosecurity or having animals that are treated more humanely. Mm -hmm. Wow. We are freaking getting tossed. Woke. And (laughs) and I also want to throw throw another bit of info out there. Please do. This is good stuff. I should have taken notes. (laughs) We got this on on record, though. So so (laughs) the reason that China has... Uh, a reputation for being a country where a lot of these diseases originate is because of how many animals they raise mm-hmm. for food. And okay? because, of, well, because of the huge population, they need it, right? They yeah. need that much. Yes. Inmate, which I guess, right? So right now we've got about 7.5, 7.8 billion people on the planet-ish. I think that's right. Every year, China raises 15 billion poultry, 15 billion chickens. So they are raising and slaughtering twice the amount of the human population every single year. And any one of those animals could potentially be carrying something. And the odds are pretty good when it's billions. Right. So if I were to say, um, let's make an analogy here, right? If if I said to you, uh, I'm going to go into a casino... You're going to go into a casino. Okay. You seem like a guy who likes to go into a casino. <laughs> I, I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> we I, actually hate I, the casino. Yeah, we, we're not we, gamblers. We're cheap. No. <laughs> You're an insurance guy. You like to play yeah, it safe. Yeah, I like to play the odds. Safe. Okay, yeah, fair the good enough. odds. So let's say you walk into a casino, okay, mm-hmm. and you put a coin in a slot machine. The chances of you getting three cherries, getting a jackpot, are very small because you put a coin in and did one pull, right? Now you go into a casino and I give you 15 billion coins to play on 15 billion slot machines. Mm-hmm. The frequency of a jackpot coming up is really, really high compared to just playing one. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you turn those slot machines into chickens and instead of pulling really good the magic slot trick. wheel on them, if you, if you turn that into the way that a flu virus can mutate, um, you kind of it makes it a little bit easier to understand yeah. that any one of those 15 billion could potentially be mutated. So it's something. not necessarily that they're not treating the animal the animals with, you know, the same precautions that we're treating with them with over here. It's just that the huge volume increases the odds that it would originate in it's a place a big, like that. It's a big factor. Okay, that makes that makes total sense. It's a big yeah. factor. Cuz if it's controllable, that freaks me out. I'm just That's like the stop thing doing that, it then. But that, if it's not, then this totally this can story. be controlled through biosecurity and, and vaccination programs. Mm-hmm. It can it, it is controllable. Is that a realistic um, endeavor to vaccinate like seventeen billion birds? Well, because uh, the vaccinations cost money. Right? They do cost money. Uh, in two thousand five, Vietnam had an outbreak of H five N one influenza. Yeah, that was in there for a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, and yep. so they had to slaughter a lot of chickens to try and break the back of this thing. Yeah, we saw that clip of the yeah. mass graves. It yeah, was like, they had whoa, to cull a lot dark. of chickens. It's it's yeah. rough. But on the other hand, the, the Vietnamese government also made a point of vaccinating every single chicken that they didn't cull, and they actually did it. The whole country of Vietnam, they vaccinated every single bird that, that uh, wasn't that, infected that wasn't infected and, and had to be culled. So it can be done. It can wow. be done. 
That's crazy. That was a wild ride. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> 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 that was I was in, I was into that one. I'm, this is just awesome. The the issue the issue I will say is that so it's easier to do this kind of stuff when you're dealing with like factory farms where it's like a you know uh, an industry where there's like standards and and there's a, a way of doing things. It's a lot easier. It gets harder to do biosecurity. It gets harder to vaccinate when you get to smaller family farms where they just don't have the means to do it mm-hmm. or even the the willingness or the the understanding of why it might be important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's to tell a rural farmer who yeah, how do you edu- how do you sounds like a couple thousand chickens who's to just like trying the neighboring to, towns yeah, to- who's just trying to survive. You know, trying to explain to somebody who doesn't understand um, due to no fault of their own. They're yeah, just, no, they're absolutely. Just, they're just uneducated. You know, s- spend this extra money on a, on a vaccination, spend this extra money on building my chicken coop a different way so that it's, it's a little bit safer and that farmer doesn't necessarily see the results of it. You know, all this is prep work, right? We're all, yeah, it's we're preventative. All pre- we're all pre- trying to prevent something from preventative, happening. Preventative, yeah. So in an ideal world, you'd never have to deal with the consequences. Preventative medicine as a whole. Well, that's why that shot that he's trying to develop is so freaking important. It eliminates you the possibility of you ever getting future strains of the flu, which is crazy. That's just crazy. Yeah. What a smart guy. Yeah. (laughs) Damn. Jake's a great guy. He's super smart. He's probably one of the smartest people I know. He has a very kind face. Yeah. We've been a big fan of watching him so far. Yeah. He's super kind. He's super smart. He's. uh, He seems like salt of the earth, too, which is like. Yeah. And he was raised in Guatemala, too, right? He's he's from Guatemala. He was raised in Guatemala. Yeah. And he and his team have a a grant right now from the Gates Foundation to. Yeah, we saw that. uh, Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. No. Uh, (laughs) They. uh, Wait, what? (laughs) They have money uh, in a grant that they're hopefully, you know, it's going to help get them to the the finish line for this. Yeah. I absolutely think that you guys found people to make the science very relatable and digestible. I think in like the absolutely. science world, I have been, I have sat through, you know, presentations where, where it's just like not in layman's terms. Um, something that my sister, and I would actually love to get into this. Uh, my sister, she's a PhD biologist and she does her research i honestly her research is like way over my head (laughs) um and she really worked on when she was getting her thesis done she really worked on working in analogies and working in things to like break it down and i do think that's like such a huge part of science and that guy i just blanked on his name with the curl jake jake like he is a guy where he can take like super high concepts and like bring it down to a level where like anyone will be able to understand. And I just think like those people are very unique people in the in the science community to find. Um, and that guy did like, a, I mean, you guys finding these people, I thought it was very, like I have a science background. So like for me, it was like a little, you know, a lot of it was easy for me to digest, but I, throughout the whole thing, I thought that it was very, easily digestible for like any population to, mm-hmm. to really Thanks. understand. I would agree. Thanks. You know, it's, it, you start talking science and you get a little too sciencey and people start tuning out a hundred percent. Yeah. I have sat through presentations where I'm like, you lost me <laughs> in the first five minutes. Yeah. And that's it. That's, and that happens. It hasn't happened. It hasn't even come close to happening. The, the entirety of what we've watched so far with pandemic, everything's been very palatable. It's like, like I could get it. <laughs> That's all you fucking need to know. Okay? All right. Pass we the get test. It. All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, cre- credit goes to the you know the whole casting team and, and everybody at 0.0 who made the choices to cast those people. Absolutely. They, they, they're, the, they're the team that 
went out and found all those people and put them in front of the camera. Also, shout I'm, out to Zero Point Zero for hiring this gent who's <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. I think uh, the even the more impressive, like this guy Jake and like the people, Dr. Holly and Dr. Madad, finding people from another country where English is their second language and then those people are able to speak in ways that anyone can understand is even further impressive to me because that that's just crazy where it's like someone whose English is their second language and they're even they're talking in you know another language is it was just like you humanize I think that there's a huge as like a clinician myself I really try and like humanize myself and just know that like don't think of me as like your doctor don't think of me as your friend but there's like there's definite you know middle ground here where like I'm also a person too like doctor um madad you guys are covering like how intense her life is and then you like show like this woman's also a mother and like and that guy in the congo who's like in charge of protecting the whole state of the congo that guy what was that guy's name yao crazy that guy is a badass yeah it's just like these people look like superheroes but also human beings and like that's Mm -hmm. you know capturing those moments i think is just like very very well done and i think it's like very important for the science community as a whole for sure you look at a guy like Dr. Yao, who he is in the middle of like the worst situation you yeah. could possibly be in as a as a doctor trying to stop an outbreak. We were both like, it was like he was tasked by the World Health Organization yeah. to yeah. stop the outbreak of Ebola. Like that was the sentence. That I just, <laughs> like, I like grabbed Joe. Yeah, like, we were like, oh, holy shit. shit! And then you got people getting, you know, people on his team getting attacked and killed by refugees, uh, not refugees. Um, Rebel militia. Rebel, yeah, rebel militia. militia. It's yeah. like, what the shit? Imagine having to deal with like a guy running trying up behind to... you and fucking you up when yeah. you're trying to save the world. It's like, geez. It's, they have enough to deal with there. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, we got enough problems. I, don't I, I interviewed him. I did a, a remote interview like over Skype with him. And I could just tell. I mean, he was just, he was so tired. He was, <laughs> he, you could tell that he was really going through the gauntlet. And, uh, you know, thankfully everything actually turned out okay there. Mm-hmm. You know, they, Think things happen. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> These are all good news. As long as it's good news, you know they we're developed good. a treatment for it, so eventually they were able to stop it. But um, you know these things happen from time to time, and we need to give credit to the brave people who are out there doing this work. Hundred percent. Yeah, at the, at the, I think you know it definitely wasn't the the main thing that was brought across by pandemic, but one of the so- byproducts was that the praise that these people are getting. Like, you're, they're finally, someone's finally singing their praises. Like, you know, give these people a round of applause. Like, they're really helping everybody they out, totally, you know? totally deserve it. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. Man. That was good. We're at 58 yeah. minutes. Do we have any more questions? Ooh. Do we have any more questions? Do you have any questions for us? <laughs> Joe? We don't have much insight, but I love getting asked questions. <laughs> uh, I, I, I guess the, the one thing I want to say, too, this goes back to, like, how the flu spreads, too. So, mm-hmm. Uh, it starts in wild birds, right? And it's mutating. And then it goes what it, it goes from bird to bird, right? And so that's okay. It's not affecting humans. Um, then what happens is if a disease like the flu jumps from a wild bird to uh, like a chicken, uh, if it goes from chicken to chicken, it's okay. But as it's mutating, it can then go from chicken to human, right? So then uh, a lot of times the first people you see getting these diseases 
are the people who are handling the animals, right? So, mm-hmm. like, the first wave of people who get sick from a new strain of something are generally people who are handling the animals, right? Mm-hmm. And that means it's gone from bird to human, so animal to human transmission. It's, called, it's a, a zoonotic transmission going from one species that to another. That word is wild. Right? So it, it is wild. It's, it's crazy. This thing is mutating and learns how to go from one species to another. So you've got the zoonotic hop that goes, that sounds like a dystopian like, like video game. dance <laughs> the zoonotic hop we're doing the zoonotic hop people this is my daughter's sweet 16 everyone on the dance floor Man. all right all you bobby Soxers out there <laughs> so it's when it spreads from a, an animal to a human that's a big deal but the real problem is when it then has the ability to go from human to human and that's where we have these epidemics and these outbreaks and that's that's the scary thing and that's that's where we are now with coronavirus Corona. and I feel like now, after watching this thing, I feel pretty confident that we're going to figure it out in some way, shape, or form. There there are very smart people working on this yeah. stuff. It's just until we get to that point where there is a vaccine or there is some sort of treatment for it. It'll be around. It's going to be around. A lot of people are going to get sick. Some people are going to die. A lot of people are probably going to die. Um, you know, it's it's the next few months are going to be really rough, mm. I think, Um like I said, it's probably going to be like a really bad flu season. Mm-hmm. Um, you can expect like large gatherings to maybe be canceled. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a little games. different. You think? Yeah, you think that's all well, we, on we the horizon? The the uh, the Olympics are coming up. Oh, that's going to be crazy. His roommate works for NBC. My roommate's and gonna is go going to go. He's been bugging out about. It. I think it's in. Is it in? It's Japan. in Japan. There's, yeah, he's freaking out about having to go to Japan for like well, weeks. He may not have to because there's a actually a very good chance that the Olympics may be canceled. Wow, that's crazy. Is that a developing story? It is a developing story. You heard I, it here I, first on Outrageous <laughs> Fun. <laughs> <laughs> they canceled the Olympics. Yeah. How's that for Outrageous Fun? Write it. Send it out. Sign, seal, deliver. We're doing the zoonotic I would say there's a pretty good chance of that happening. Oh, wow. Uh, and I don't say that. You know, happily, I, yeah, I love no. the Olympics. Yeah. But um, you know, things like that. I think it's a little more lar- important than large gatherings yeah. of people. The 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 pilgrimages to Mecca have been canceled, which is and that's a enormous. huge religious. Thing. Well, you yeah. just said enormous. that. Um, what school brought back their study abroad students from Italy? Um, all of them. Yes. Oh, all of them. I yes. think all. I think all study abroads in Italy are getting brought because Milan has a huge outbreak of Corona. I have a family friend who she just posted on Facebook today that she's being recalled back to the u.s they shut the program down yeah oh that would break my heart and then when she comes back she's probably gonna have to be in quarantine yeah for like two weeks. oh yeah well now they, they, there's two more cases in um in the u.s today this morning i saw on the news mm-hmm. there's two more cases yeah it's it's already happening like it's happening mm-hmm. we just need this flu season to end give it a summer give us a little break over the summer and then hopefully somebody figures something out i guess is that what the timeline could be is that you agree with that timeline that in the summertime there will be like that slight decrease and then an uptick in the fall uh i think it may dissipate but also remember we have the north and the the northern and the southern hemisphere so when it's winter there and oh, summer shit. here yeah. and classic, vice versa. classic, so, classic big, geography so we're it, so stuck in our own little world here <laughs> so it may not you know it may die down a little bit fucking when truth it's bombs, our summer man. Yeah. But it's winter somewhere else. That's you know? true. So it's it doesn't mean it's going away. It may dissipate, but it shouldn't. It should not lull anybody into a sense that it's over. Want to see a glass half full view on that? <clears throat> You're welcome. That's why I'm here. Yeah, if, it's, if, it, if it's if if you know if flu season ends here in the, you know, in the northern hemisphere, and we are now not 
you know, at risk of getting infected with this virus, but other places still are, doesn't that kind of keep it, you know, keeps the ball moving as far as people working on it? Like it's, it's out there. It's there for the, well, I don't think, I think people are around the, people are hammering this thing home. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be a positive view on this fucking thing, man. Yeah, I mean, the truth is that people are going to be working on it until they find the, find yeah. an answer. Yeah, that to makes it. more sense than what so I said. So on like a on a <laughs> on a on a like personal level, like what are you doing personally to kind of like protect yourself? Uh, well, since I started Shouldn't on, be here. <laughs> I stay out of close quarters contact <laughs> with people. Uh, I'm doing the same thing I've I've been doing since I started on on pandemic. I'm just wash washing my hands religiously. Uh, you know, and try not to touch my face. That's a huge uh, thing for me because I have a, f- I bite my fingers all the time. Yeah, even just and it's like, like you know, like that. Yeah, you know? dude. I know. Oh, yeah. I'm, s- I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't even do examples. I man. can't even show <laughs> Don't you guys. Don't mess around. This microphone's even, freaking me out. I can't even <laughs> demo. Uh, yeah, you know, just there's not much you can do. I, I keep telling people, don't be scared, just be prepared. Be prepared mm-hmm. for things to be a little different. You know, maybe you're not going to be able to, um, you know, go out to a gathering that you had planned on going to. Like, public events might be canceled. Um, you know, definitely don't run to the supermarket and stock up on too much stuff. You know, it's like it's, that's going to put other people in a bad position, mm-hmm. right? Uh, don't be scared. Otherwise, there might be no pasta. There might be no pasta. I need my carbs, baby. I need my carbs. So, uh, you know, if you have a medicine that you have to take regularly, try and if you, yeah. if you have the ability to, try and get that filled for another 30, 60, 90 days, however far out you can. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's going to get a little weird. I don't think people understand what might happen because we haven't had anything like this in our lifetime. Mm. And then the crazy thing is, this is actually what talked about on um, the daily because they were talking about like alarmist culture and like all that stuff. And then the guy was like, yeah, there's like a pretty good chance. Well, not a pretty good chance. The guy was saying he was like, you know, if we find this vaccine and then it's cured and then everyone's just like, yeah, see, I told you it was nothing. But it's like the people are that are working on this as in like pandemic that shows you these freaking badasses of the world that like work day and night all the time to find the cure for this stuff it's like they were successful which like made us all okay Mm -hmm. so it just sucks that it's just if it does happen and it's you know it's one of these situations where it is a a thing that's never happened in our lifetime that's super scary and then if it doesn't happen it's like still fuck you like i told you it wouldn't happen versus (laughs) like thank you to mm-hmm. the people. You know yeah, what I mean? hundred percent. I agree, yeah. It shouldn't be like a, yeah, I told you like this wouldn't happen versus like, where's Dr. Madad? We all need to buy her cake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, a really big, a humongous big cake. cake. Cakes for her kids. Yeah. yeah. Cakes we for pay her time kids. Supply cake. Yeah. Cakes all around. Cakes Lifetime all around. Supply cakes all cake. around. No, I mean, that, that's the danger is that if it's not bad, uh, you know, people are going to write it off as, you know, no big deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rather than seeing the, the truth, which is, yeah, there's a lot of people trying to- Freaking heroes. Stop. Yeah, heroes. A lot of heroes out and there. And that's why if you're watching, listening, hearing about this, watch Pandemic. It's yes. very not. It is very educating and very not, educational like, and wait, awakening. Really, awakening, it's like, and you get a very good understanding of what how important this shit is. You will have a little panic attack, but then yeah. come back here and listen, and then feel good about it. We're all in this together. Yeah, as I learned in High School Musical, we're all in this together. Beautiful. I think. Um, do you want to? Do you have anything else to add? Any other any other bits? Well, oh, I, anything coming up you want to plug? Or well, you mentioned like High School Musical. Did you know that my wife Ashley was in 
uh, a production of that, the the national tour of High School Musical. Shut up. Yeah. Shut your face. Yeah. So my wife is also on an improv team. They also have the most adorable. The I watch when she's on stage. I like look at Chris. And he's having like a really good time watching it because she's also hilarious and just does like the most ridiculous shit on stage. And then I'm like watching him watch her and I'm like, this is just the most adorable thing on, the, on earth. That's so cute. It's a lot of fun watching from the wings. Yeah. yeah. But she was in the national tour of, of High School Musical. Well, we are two of the biggest High School Musical fans in the country. In I the think. world. She's going to love hearing that. <laughs> Tell her we might need to bring her on, to be honest. When did she do that? Uh, it was um, 2008, I want to say. That was like in the heat of it, too. Yeah, that was the heat of yeah. it. Frankie was in a production of High School Musical in his high school, middle school. Frankie, what was your line? I don't remember. <laughs> no, he does. Yeah, he does. He does. He, he remembers. Too, he remembers. He remembers. <laughs> you weren't the Miss Jarvis guy, right? were you? Yeah, he was. It was like, it's summer, Miss Jarvis. Yeah, Leave us alone. like that, yeah. yeah. Well, we had a blast. Yo, I hope you had a so good much. time. Such a blast. I hope you guys learned some stuff. I feel very educated after that. Uh, if you want to find Chris, you can find him on Instagram, or you could also come out to our shows. I have a show Tuesday at 7 o'clock, and you can come check it out. You can meet Chris in person, talk to him, have a good time. I'd love to meet you. Yeah. Magnet Theater, baby. Magnet oh, yeah. Theater. Yeah. We're going to be there. I die. All right. Thanks, guys. Love Thank you. Thank you.